My headache won't go away. I get blurry vision. My balance is awful. I'm exhausted. We can all get these symptoms from time to time. But if you or a loved one notice you're getting a combination of them regularly, don't ignore it. They could be signs of a brain tumour. My headache won't go away. I get blurry vision. My balance is awful. I'm exhausted. To learn more about the common signs of a brain tumour, search Better Safe Than Tumour. Welcome to Let's Talk About Brain Tumours, the podcast where we'll be talking to people who've been affected by a brain tumour diagnosis, either their own diagnosis or the diagnosis of a loved one. We'll also be sharing news and updates from the Brain Tumour Charity about what we're doing to halve the harm and double survival. Hi and welcome to Let's Talk About Brain Tumours. In this episode, myself and Andy are going to be talking to Betty and Sarah about anxiety and their experiences around this. Andy, you have your own experiences of this, so I'm going to hand it over to you to talk a little bit more about yourself and your experience. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, my name is Andy. I'm a volunteer for the Brain Tumour Charity, so I get involved in a lot of things across the charity, involvement champion, strategy, um, looking after the Facebook groups. My sort of experience five years ago, I had a, a large meningioma diagnosed and removed. That was entertaining. Then I had all clear for about four or five years. So I had the annual joy of MRIs just to double check everything was okay. And then this year in January, my uh, my annual MRI came back with some regrowth. So that's now being treated. So I've now ticked the stereotactic radio surgery box as well as the actual power tools to the head surgery box ironically i'm now waiting for the results of my three-month mri check so i literally am living anxiety as we as we record this podcast which is which is quite ironic anyway over to you betty do you want to talk to us through a bit about your sort of brain tumor experience and and what you have to sort of what, what experience you've had of, of anxiety uh, well, I was uh, diagnosed 18 months ago um, during lockdown, really. So I think that was sort of, I was lucky. I had some um, symptoms, eye flashes and my left leg going numb. So thankfully, the doctor sent me for MRI and they found a 2.5 centimetre uh, posterior fossa. So I was on watch and wait. And then I've just had uh, my latest scan in March and I had to have an appointment, although I was told it was... Um, no growth I had to have an appointment and then I was told that there was some growth which was a little bit confusing because I've now been told it's 2.5 centimeters which is what I was told it was when I was diagnosed so he said oh no it was actually 2.3 when you were diagnosed (laughs) so I thought well actually I'm no worse off because I thought it's been 2.5 for the last 18 months but uh, he discussed I had to discuss radiotherapy or operation so I have that decision to make now uh, but I'm sort of pushing it and pretending it's not there and ignoring it <laughs> at the moment. Uh, but I have massive anxiety. I absolutely am terrified of the scanners. And I also have a, a form, rare form of dysphagia. So actually lying down, although it sounds stupid, is one of my biggest fears is lying flat. So having to lie flat and have my head held and be put in a tube is just really, really hard for me. So, yeah, that's where I am with it. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Betty. We'll talk a bit more about that in, in a bit in detail. Sarah, did you want to give us uh, uh, some of your experiences and why you're here and, and your sort of challenges of, of the brain tumour and anxiety? Yeah. Hi, Andy. Basically, I was diagnosed with a craniofrangioma in December 2018. Um, came as a shock because there were no major symptoms other than sort of headaches, which were passed off by my doctor as being hormonal. Um, but they didn't send me for any tests. And then it was actually going to an optician for what I thought was a routine appointment because my eyes were a bit blurred and thought I needed glasses. Um, I was sent to an eye casualty department who referred me for an MRI and uh, diagnosed me with the tumour. Had that removed by surgery very quickly. Um, Unfortunately, it came back six months later. Had the surgery again. Have now been three years, I think, without any regrowth, touch wood. But yeah, scanxiety is a very real thing that I discovered after my uh, first scan. And it was quite a scary experience going in, knowing that they could potentially find something. 
also it was just the unknown um, for me basically going to a hospital already worrying and then discovering I had to have a cannula I hate needles of any sort so that was really quite a difficult thing for me and then basically going into this sort of tunnel having your head kind of held in place all very difficult very stressful and the fact that I didn't have any music either because the music wasn't working was even worse so I just basically lay there with my own thoughts for about 40 minutes and I remember being yeah I remember being in tears in that first MRI because I was so scared because I just didn't know anything that was going on really um since then I've had quite a few more and I'm a bit more relaxed but still yeah it's the waiting afterwards that is the difficult thing thank you for sharing it's an interesting thing because when people get initially diagnosed they've never ever heard of anxiety and they've no idea that it's actually a, a literal thing they think getting diagnosed is bad enough but then suddenly they have this experience of right now you've got to go into this this giant machine all these things are happening and then you've got to wait for results and they're like I didn't even know that was a thing I just thought that that was I just thought I was the only person that felt this you know when you put a name to something actually it can be helpful for people as a way of describing what that experience is and that it's a legitimate thing that huge amounts of people in fact I don't think I speak to that many people they're in the minority who say oh I never have any problems you get the odd person that says oh I sleep through mine it's very rare most people experience different levels of anxiety and it starts at different points for me it is as you say once you sort of get that phone call or that letter saying right we need to book you in you sort of get that date and then it's kind of there in your mind, you know, that you've got to go through this. And yeah, it's for me, it's not something that I in any way kind of look forward to. I don't find it a pleasant experience, particularly the kind of week before I can feel sort of my stress levels build the day. I'm just kind of, yeah, reserved, kind of resigned to the fact that I've got to do this. I think a big difference can be the stuff that you you deal with at the actual scanner if you get ones that are very friendly, very sort of warm and encouraging, it does make things a lot better. But you can get people that are a bit sort of just they're there and they're doing their job and they don't really sort of think about what you're going through necessarily, I don't think. I think for me, definitely having some music on while I actually have the scan makes it a bearable experience for me. But it's it's kind of knowing from when you come out of the scan that you're looking at that person and they know what they've seen mm. and knowing that they know but you don't know. And where I live, it's up to six weeks before I know what's going on. So it's that factor that knowing that you're seeing somebody and they know full well what's going on and you don't. And it's it's sort of, it's difficult to handle that. I remember after my first scan, I actually, my husband went with me and he was waiting for me outside and I walked out of the room and I just said, the, the guy who did the scan, he saw something. He's like, what do you mean he saw something? Did he tell you? I went, no. And he said, well, how do you know? I said, I could just tell. I could just look. <laughs> I don't know. I just saw something in his eyes. And I just knew that he saw something. And this was before I was diagnosed. But I just knew. I don't know why. I just knew there was something there. So it's just that knowing that other people know before you what's going on with your own body. It's quite difficult. And that's quite a long period of time, isn't it? When you think six weeks of waiting, then if you know how many other weeks would you say you know before you you get the, you're talking at least two months, aren't you, of your life each time. How often do you have your scans, Sarah? I have mine annually now. So <laughs> because it's in a set time, I know throughout the year when it's approaching. Mm-hmm. So mine are in yeah. August. So I kind of know that it's coming yeah. up to that time again. Um, so, yeah. And I think one of the worst things, the last one I had coincided with the sort of anniversary of the date of one of my operations. So I actually had to go into the hospital where I'd been for my operation. And I found that extremely difficult because I I find it difficult going into the hospital anyway, sometimes just remembering what went on. But that particular date, it was just it was a really difficult experience for me. And had I thought about it at the time, I would probably have said, no, I'll do another date, which I now know. It's things like that that you don't know till it happens. So because you don't know how you're going to feel it in that, how that anniversary is going to make you feel. Yeah, definitely. I I don't even have to kind of recognise the dates of these things, but for some reason my mind and my body seem to know. 
So it's just kind of ingrained somewhere there. So then you have the, the cannula. Up until recently, they used to try and put it in the back of the hand. And I had a really bad one where it was a, might have been coincidence, it was on a Sunday. So I don't know if it was Sunday staff, but the lady doing it kind of put it in. And I looked down and there was a big bulge on my hand and she'd kind of list the vein or something. I'm like, oh. <laughs> don't worry, Sue, we'll try the other hand. And I'm like, I don't need this just before going in for an annual MRI. But the last two or three, they've gone in just above the elbow. And that is so much easier because it just seems to be a lot. I don't know if it's just me. The veins seem a lot easier to to get at, if that makes sense. I don't know whether you found that as well. I think mine go in, they definitely go in the back of my arm. They've never tried to put it in my hand, thank goodness. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but I always say sort of, can you make sure you cover it up so I can't see it because I just don't want to see anything. It's, I can't cope with it. I think the weirdest place I had a cannula was actually in my ankle during an operation. So that was a really weird one. But uh, yeah, it's normally the back of my arm. Mm. Yeah, mine's usually in my arm. But when they're putting that in, I'm always at this sort of, I don't know if I'll get through this sort of stage. And she said, it's usually people are terrified of having the cannula in. And I said, you can stick needles all over my body. Just don't put me in that tube. <laughs> so she said, that's very unusual. But that, that really doesn't bother me. But it's, it's you know, everybody's different so but yeah she always finds it quite funny when I say that (laughs) I I, I just don't my needles sort of uh, I don't like them but this isn't my biggest fear so yeah so I just always look away I I, if I look down at it I reckon I'd pass out and I'm not it's just me I just didn't thought of needles and stuff and oh no thanks so it's like horrible no well I I was I was a nurse so I'm sort of (laughs) used to needles it's not Uh, the same when you're having them yourself it's totally different but, um, you know, sort of it doesn't sort of bother me too much, to be honest. I'm lucky in that respect. So. No, I'm the same as you, Andy. I just say, right, tell me when you're doing it so I can look away because I do not yeah. want to see it at all. And if I did see it, I think I would be the same. I'd pass out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't I don't sit and watch, but I, I do look <laughs> the other way. But I can, I can still cope with it. It's not my biggest thing. But I understand if you hate needles, it's it's a really big part of this, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. but even that, I find it's that the last couple... I'll have them put in before. So we're talking about cannulas here. But when I'm sat, they'll go in before when I'm sat in a chair and then you walk into the the room. Sometimes I'm wearing a gown, sometimes I'm not. The last one I had was literally, it seemed like it was in the car park because it was a really old machine. Yeah. And they they laid me down on the actual, where I'm, you know, the, the MRI machine and then put the cannula in then. So mm-hmm. it's like, it seems like almost every time I've had a, an MRI, and that must be five or six at least in the last five or six years, every time it's been different. And I don't know whether that's part of the challenge is you don't, everyone doesn't have the same routine. Treatment. Yeah. And I, because yeah. I'm like, part of me thinking, well, what am I going to have this time? Am I sat up? Am I lying down? Is it in the arm? Is it in the, and yeah. I just find things like that just add to the general feeling of, yeah. oh, I don't like doing this. No. My last one um, was actually done at a private hospital, which was a bit of a treat they were doing catch-up but as I walked in the radiographer walked out and said I've got to go my husband's got COVID which immediately made me think okay I'm going in a room where you've just been and there's you know so that got me a little bit anyway when I went in there were two other radiographers but they were obviously very new so they sort of had a little bit of practice and she was very uh, wary to put the cannula in and she sort of looked at me still I'm not going to put the cannula in yet she said you might not go through with this and I still yes I'm going through with this. I said whack it in now I'm not going to sit up and start it all again so she did actually put it in and they were both very very good but you could tell they were very new at it but yes that was a sort of that was the sort of stress you know well I'm walking out and going oh okay so that's the radiographer gone and you know but it is I agree with you anything else that, that takes you know you need it to be exactly the same as before because you've prepared your head for that haven't you yeah. you're sort of yeah. I know what happens yeah. you do it this way don't alternate it yeah I agree it's it's part of the routine the pattern to get you through somebody hasn't had a scan yet and they're thinking what are they talking about cannulas what why would I have what what's this would one of you like to explain about what a cannula is and why they put it in it's the little needle that they, if you ever go into hospital and they want to get drugs into you very quickly or intravenous, they put a tiny little needle into one of your veins and then they can inject stuff into you very, very quickly. And we have it when we have the MRIs because they put in what they call a contrast dye, which they usually take a picture before they put this in and then they put the contrast dye in, which is just, it feels warm and sometimes it can make you feel like you need to go for a wee but you don't, it's okay. But they always warn you of that. 
And basically the contrast dye then goes round all your vessels in your head and it shows up very clearly what's going on in there. I think that's how I understand yeah, that, it. That's my understanding. Yeah. So the, the, the contrast dye shows up very clearly what's brain tumour and what's natural brain, if that makes sense. Right. So yeah. I don't know if everyone does, but I think a lot of people. So when I have my annual MRIs, I'll actually have um, four MRIs, each lasting about three and a half to four minutes. Right. And it's the last one that, for me, yes. that they put the contrast dye yeah. in. So you you go in the you go in the can for three MRIs, yeah. and then they sort of they pull you out, shove it in your arms. So it's a more technical phrase. I shouldn't say that. Um, and then pop you pop you back in, yeah. and you sort of you have another last one with it with it in so that's how how mine are i don't know whether your guys are the same yes and, and to me when they put the contrast down i think yes i'm nearly done yeah, yeah, so I'm, when yeah. They come to it, it, that's the thrill <laughs> yeah. isn't it so yes i've only got to stick this a few more minutes and you have what they call basically a panic button in your hand yeah <laughs> thing that you're allowed to push and you hold on to that and so many times you think i'm gonna push it i'm gonna push it and think, no 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 i'll stick it i'll stick it but once they put that contrast die in it's like yes i can do this i can do this mm. it'll be one more song maybe two and i'll be out because that's how i do it with the songs i i always have the music yeah. count each song as roughly five minutes yeah and i count it on my fingers my last one started with bohemian rhapsody because i always ask for the 70s to take me back to happier times and i thought yes this is a really good one this must count for at least 10 minutes so yeah. I was... i'm exactly the same i count the songs it's, yeah it's funny isn't it the way you sort of work your way through it and yeah the one that I didn't have with music I was actually singing songs in my head in your head to try and work yeah. out the timings one time they put on some really really modern stuff and I, it was useless and also I couldn't tell where one song ended and the next one started it was just like this awful noise and I was I really was I thought I can't do it with this music but anyway the last time I, I did get the 70s so that, yeah but it really helps the counting doesn't it and yeah when I had the stereotactic radio surgery part of that is you have a about a 35 minute MRI but they put me in a newer machine so I could have some music yeah because I'm often in the old machines I don't know if that's just because I'm less risky but I'm in the old machines that don't have music but the new one did so I, I picked an album that I liked which was 42 minutes long so I knew I just had to listen to the album with the faffing around with everything else yeah that would do I me mean, that to me was a massive help because I like the album and it never feels like it's sort of 40 minutes if you know what I mean so yeah. I'm thinking yeah I can just sing along to the music now and that that it does really help when you get music in there with it I always say, how long is this going to be, roughly? And they usually say 30 minutes. And it yeah. hasn't ever been any longer than they've said, so I have been lucky in that respect. Yeah. So have you had to wait a long time for your scan results, Betty? No, I'm very lucky. I'm in York, um, and they let me go to the local hospital, although I'm under hole uh, for treatment. And I usually have to wait about 10 to 12 days, so I'm very lucky it comes back so quickly. Yeah. It has each time so far. And that's a massive relief um, when I get that letter through. And I don't open it. My husband opens it. We have this thing because we both have quite a few illnesses. So we have this sort of thing that when the letter lands, somebody else grabs it, the other grabs it, opens it, gets the news, and then you you, you tell the other person. So it's, it's just a thing we do in this house. But, um, yeah, when you get that letter and then you sort of read it and read it again, you know. But, yes, I'm very lucky in that. I would take to wait the six weeks that you're waiting, Sarah, for yours. That, that That's a very long time. Yeah. It is, and I just don't think they understand really the impact it has on you, that making you wait for six weeks. That's the thing. It can obviously be done quicker. Of course. It should be brought in that maybe one of these maximum, maximum wait two weeks because the stress is yeah. unbearable. I mean, the stress, you know, we were talking about when it starts with you. I mean, right now I'm, okay, my next one's March because I've just literally postponed everything because I just cannot cope with anything else at the moment. And my um, consultant said, yeah, we can still do that. That's okay. We'll just keep an eye. So at the moment, I know my next one's March. So I'm sort of, hey, cool. My next one's March. Once it gets to Christmas and then it's right, that's after Christmas. I'm now going to work my way up to March. And that for me is when it will really start, you know, yeah. the, the whole process will start. Yeah. And the, the I on the same because my op was in, uh, February the 16th so my annual one is usually around about sort of mid-Feb and right. so I can I can get to Christmas fine once once yeah. you get past Christmas possibly New Year's Eve then you can almost yeah. feel the anxiety levels going yeah. up because you're thinking right there's nothing now between me and the MRI no and that so it, for me it starts yeah sort of just after New Year I guess for a, for 
yeah. for an MRI that's often in the sort of middle to the back half of, of February. And you try and put it to the back of your mind, you think, but each time I do find there's the more I have, the slightly easier it gets. Yeah. yeah, 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 I'd um, agree. Yeah, I would agree I, with that too. I had the one this year. I mean, the other bit about anxiety was is always, I don't know if you guys feel this, but when you think, right, okay, I've had the up the, the, the scans. If I don't hear anything in the first week to 10 days, that's yeah. not a disaster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then there's a couple of weeks period you think that's what I want to hear. And then, uh, if it's longer than a month, you're thinking mm, that must have needed a, a second yeah. <laughs> opinion. And I'm, that's always been how I've kind of got. And then this year, hate to say it, when, when I got the regrowth, I didn't actually get anything for a month. So we're all already thinking, mm. and then we actually unfortunately got the letter inviting me in for um, an appointment with a different radiography team before I actually got the results of the scan. Yeah. So that's the first I knew there was something wrong oh. was when a letter dropped on a Saturday morning saying oh. we want you in for a, 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 an appointment with a team you've not met before. And I'm like, yeah. what does that mean? Oh. <laughs> so I had a whole weekend of thinking, is yeah. it a, you know, is it a really nasty one? Is it this? Is it that? And then we phoned them on the Monday and said, "Oh yeah, sorry about that. We we we, we sent the letter out for before we'd actually told you. We we do apologise." I'm like, "Yeah, really? Yeah, so yeah, yeah." Admin. That seems to happen more often than it actually should. That's something that definitely they need to work on because that's not an isolated case, and that's definitely something that mistakes happen. But that yeah. seems to be something that they could do something about and it is about different departments communicating better with each other yes yeah. <laughs> i think Definitely. also it's the difference like we the you've got three people on the line on the, the podcast here we've all got different experiences because betty gets hers normally sort of sort of 10 days to two weeks i'm usually about a month and sarah's about six weeks and yet yeah it's the it's same, same kind of NHS, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. How come that is? I want to move to York, thanks, and I'll get to <laughs> earlier. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm in Leeds, so, yeah, it's not far for me to <laughs> Why is the big difference between yeah. Leeds and York? It's Absolutely. And that's a really valid point, isn't it, is that why is there such a difference, you know, just a few miles up the road? Yeah. Because, like you said, the stress of waiting is every bit as bad as the stress of actually going in the scanner itself. You know. Yes, it, it, it definitely. I mean, when I first got diagnosed, they rang me the next day, which obviously caught me out. I was literally yeah. in the middle of a family crisis. My mother's carer quit and she was needing care. And I literally had to take her in that day. And it was another lockdown. And then and I got this phone call saying, oh, you know, well, we could, they said we couldn't find any reason for your dizziness and numb leg. But we found this, you know, so it was they did ring the next day with that. But yes, I, I am lucky. I mean, it, it is quite a small hospital. I think that's probably why, which isn't of benefit for other things, I can assure you. Um, <laughs> but for getting the results, it's it's good. But yeah. 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 My first one I did I did here uh within I think it was six five, six days. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, I heard the day before I was supposed to hear with a phone call, although that was yeah, that was something in itself in that a doctor, well, a trainee doctor, thought I already knew. And just blurted oh, okay. out over the phone, basically. Oh, yeah, about the cyst in your brain. I was like, what cyst in my brain? I'd referred it to it as a cyst in my brain as well. So when I actually saw the consultant the following week and he said tumour, I was like, I didn't realise I had a brain tumour. And he's like, yeah, that's what it is. I was like, oh. oh. So oh, there was a catalogue of, yeah, errors on that in the, the way I was told was when I was at work by myself oh. over the phone um, oh. in such a blasé way. And then when I said... When it was clear and he was kind of like oh did you not know I was like do I sound like I knew and then he was like oh well don't worry about it <laughs> yes yeah that's what I got okay oh, yeah great <laughs> yeah he said it's he told me the name so it's a brain tumor he said it won't kill you and he said this is a ref- uh, this is the um referral to um Macmillan Cancer Care and that was literally and you come off the phone and you go and so you go straight onto Google um, mm. And I actually sat, I, I, it was the end of the day, and I, I literally sat on the sofa all night. I think I was just waiting to die, to be honest. I just literally sat on the sofa all night, and I didn't know what to do. In the end, I did a jigsaw, and I thought, if I do this jigsaw, it was for age seven, and I thought, if I do this jigsaw, and I do this, keep doing this, I can keep proving that I can still think, and I don't know what. <laughs> and then I Googled uh, the Facebook group, and I got them, and the next day I managed to restore some sanity thanks to this wonderful wonderful group you know and then I managed after a couple of weeks to sort of get a new normal but 
yeah it was it was crazy the way they tell you and it's just so casual yeah. I know there again it's their job but oh my goodness you know you're telling somebody something yeah. life-changing you know completely and so, without yeah. making sure that there's anyone with them at the time he thought I was driving and he said would you like to pull over? Um, you sound awfully, you know, you sound rather upset. <laughs> Not what you want to hear, is it? No. And I said, well, actually, my husband's driving and he has pulled over because obviously he is very upset. So, you know, mm. but it's, they're so, it's, yeah, it really is. It's, it's, they've got to look at the way they actually. Yeah, definitely. These things. I think one of the worst things as well, as well as finding that out, was then he said, oh, I need you to come back in for another MRI tomorrow. And I said, oh, like, no. I only, had, I only had one on Saturday. I, thought, I can't oh, do it again. Yeah. I'll do another one. <laughs> And then even better, they put a cannula in for that one that they didn't need because they oh, couldn't give me the dye because it had been Saturday oh. when I'd had the dye and it was then Thursday, so it was too soon. So they actually put a cannula in. And then after it, I said, why have I got a cannula in? They went, oh, you shouldn't have. Oh, my God. So I was kind of like, oh. okay, so can you take it out? I oh, know you have to go back to the ward to get it taken out because I was treated as an outpatient on a ward oh. for that MRI. Oh. Uh, I was just kind of like, this is encouraging. Oh, <laughs> no, when there's all this like anxiety around having scans, because it's the, the whole thing, isn't it, about going in for the scan, the actual sitting there in the machine. But then if you've had quite a negative experience of how you got told in the first place mm. about your diagnosis, every scan you have, there is potential, because that's the whole thing about having a scan, isn't there? Is there is always a potential that there could be some change mm. and how that news is delivered to you stays with you you're all talking about something that happened a while ago but that feeling of how you got told oh, yes. it remains with you and definitely that fear of if if there is bad news from this scan how are they going to tell me am I just <laughs> going to get a phone call when I'm at work am I are they going to you know, are they mm. going to deliver that news to me in a way that is going to, you know, I'm going to be okay because I'm with people, I'm in a safe space or whatever. If they're not even making sure of those basic things, Mm. then that increases the level of anxiety you feel every time you have a scan because you can't guarantee that they're going to tell you in the right way if there is a change. Yeah, definitely. I thought I I was bad, sort of had bad luck when I found out that way. But then when it came back, the way I found out that time was by somebody from the operation side of things ringing me to confirm my operation date. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. No, that's yeah. yeah. Oh, I just that's said, oh, I'm just, I'm just confirming your date of your operation. I was kind of, what operation? Oh, and he said the name no. of the operation, which was the one I'd had previously. And I was kind of like, yeah, I wasn't aware I was having an operation. He just went, oh, God, sorry. Um, I thought you'd been told. I was like, no. Mm. And what it turned out is that they'd had their multidisciplinary meeting um, that morning. And the nurse that I link into was on her way back to her office because she has to be in a certain place to sort of talk to people about such information. Hadn't got back. But in the meantime, my consultant thought, right, I'm going to book this date because I don't want to lose the date and hadn't advised the people he booked it with don't contact her because she doesn't actually know again all admin it's all fun that's awful that's really mm. awful and that's what happened to me this time it was the the consultant who requested that i go to the radiology team for my the the, the, the recent treatment for the regrowth but he hadn't actually made sure the letter had gone out first telling me the results so it fe- I, you want to want to point fingers, but it seems like it's the consultants who are in their own bubble of yes. vast intelligence, but not necessarily vast ability to communicate, dare I say it, which is how you'd want it, I guess. But in terms of getting the information, it just it, they don't close the loop to make sure that you're ready for the information and you're getting it in a way that actually reduces the impact of the information no it doesn't matter it's everybody does their job and sends it I've done my job that's me next job and Mm. and there isn't any thought really in how is this going to impact on the person who opens this letter or gets this phone call there there really isn't you just become and that is something that I think has changed dramatically uh, because I mean I was nursing in the 80s and everything has changed so so much you know including the amount of time that people are kept in for all these things which just just absolutely horrifies me you know when mm. the simplest operations people would come in overnight they'd be prepared they'd be calm and now it's sort of in bang out and 
you know, I mean, my husband has this joke that soon they'll have just the operating theatre will open onto the car park and you will go literally out <laughs> and into your car, you know, which is... It feels like that. It, it really does feel like that, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'd, I'd almost prefer it if the MRIs didn't happen in the hospital as well, because... Yeah. Just going to the hospital. My the only time I've ever yeah. been in hospital in literally my life, except for when I was born, I guess, was when I was rushed in with the symptoms of my brain tumor five years ago. So every time I go into hospital and you smell the hospital yeah. and you hear yeah. the beats, it, that just all comes flooding back. Yeah. So yeah. even before I've actually got to where I need to get to for the MRI, I'm on I'm on edge because I'm in the hospital yeah. again. Yeah. And it just yeah. those memories come back. So I don't know whether the I, it's how it is, but that doesn't help with the anxiety. Not at all. So I've tried to sort of say to the guy, right, okay, can I have a meeting with the team if the recent treatment has looks like it's worked or not? Right. Which, at least I'm not having to check, worry about every time the postman comes yeah. when you deliver a letter. Mm. And yeah. What does yeah. the letter look like? How big is the letter? Is it a big yeah. or a little one? Sort yeah. of reduce the anxiety for me anyway, yeah. knowing yeah. that it'll just be on that, that day I have to really get worried in a nice way yeah. in, in the yeah. run-up to that I'm kind of not worried about it too much it's funny when you mention about sort of going into the hospital for MRI because the last few I've had I've actually been in the car park in the mobile scanner it's the yeah. hospital car park but it's that thing that I don't have to go into the building I just yeah. go oh, into this good. little like porter cabin thing um, yeah. and I actually prefer that funnily enough because when I first mm. went I was just like oh my god where have they sent me what is this is it actually a real MRI scanner yeah um, but I actually prefer it because I don't have to go into the hospital and I think another thing that has helped but that they don't have that in this one but one of the MRIs I had actually had a mirror in it so you could actually see yeah. you could look at the mirror and see out of the scanner and I think that's the thing that should be in all of them because it really yeah, does like help you not box, feel closed like in a- like a car yeah. mirror almost, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and it just allows you to see space out there so you yes. don't feel as closed in. And I don't know yes. why they don't all have that because that would be a much better way to do things. I didn't know about that until I uh, was on the site and somebody said about it and I thought, what a brilliant idea. So yeah. I did ask for it and they put it on. The first two I had, because I had one back in 2016 and they, um, they didn't see anything then. I was having these balance symptoms, but there wasn't anything then. Uh, they just said just close your eyes and I did and I found that really hard keeping my eyes firmly closed because I didn't see the the cage they put a little cage over the top Mm. and I didn't see that and then the sort of second one I had I did this uh, I tried opening my eyes just for a second and then quickly closed them but once I got that mirror that was great because I could see them in the control room and where I go the MRI place is actually on the outside of the hospital so there again talking about it I don't have to go in but that little unit itself has become a bit of a place for me now but once they put the the mirror on I could see the sort of control people in the control thing which was great when they were at the machines but when they moved from the machines I then started going where are you going where are you going come Have for coffee have you forgotten me and then that started freaking me out but then they sort of came back but then I also started looking at their faces and they kept looking at the screens and I'm thinking oh my god what have they seen you know and you interpret it all in a different way but um the second time at the the, the private hospital one I just had which was lovely because like you say it wasn't the same place so although there wasn't the routine it was a, a different place and it felt a little bit easier I asked for the mirror and they put it on and and there again it was it it did help because you I literally look at that and concentrate on that it, it's just something else to take your brain so with the music and the counting and looking at that and singing along to the words in my head that you know that sort of got me through and then you get the contrast down you think yes and then it was one more song it was the boomtown rats I don't like Mondays <laughs> that was it. and but these then the songs sort of stay with you the very first song I had was Eye of the Tiger and they said, oh, we put that on to sort of boost you running up that hill. You know? <laughs> um, and it was really funny because I picked up a little charm. I don't normally have to, but I picked up a little bag charm, which was a little tiger. And I didn't know why I picked it up because I don't particularly like tigers. Um, and when they actually told me about it, they said my it was 2.5 centimetres. I actually measured this little tiger to get an idea of how big it was. And it was exactly 2.5 centimetres. So it's one of those funny sort of connections. Mm. But if I hear I have the tiger now, you know it it takes me back to that the scanner but I also think I'm not in that scanner right now I'm not in that scanner I can listen to that song I'm not in it be grateful you know Mm -hmm. uh, yeah yeah the challenge I've got unfortunately with the mirror is I'm very short-sighted 
and you can't wear your glasses in the MRI. No. So unfortunately, it's it's not much use to me. But there we are. So <laughs> um, no. and they pad your head. That's one thing that I yeah. they put the headphones and then pad your head, and that freaks me because that's that's like holding you down almost, you know. And I I don't like that. And I did actually say, I can pull this cage off if I have to, can't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, she said it's fixed and that absolutely yeah. out. so I shouldn't have asked that but I thought I could rip that off if I had to believe me that would be ripped off <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just for people who who don't know about MRIs just a little bit you, you it's a quite a narrow tube so you go into it uh, on a bed and you can kind of feel it on your shoulders and your arms so that's why I'm not claustrophobic but in there you're like oh this isn't very nice and you've got the little squeeze in your one hand if, if you have a panic attack so that's good um but then they'll they'll, they'll put you in a, it's like a not, it's a pillow that's shaped a bit like your head they'll put earphones in because it's really loud really loud and then they'll put usually sort of foam either side of your head and then a a little sort of frame over the top of your face it, the first time that all that happened i'm like flipping it what else are they going to do however once you get used to it and and some put headphones on as well so you can listen to the music some unfortunately the old ones don't and then they basically pop you in so that you can hear the control room, you can hear the people. So they'll they'll talk to you and they'll just say, is everything okay? You're okay. So that's comforting. And just for me, just a few tips, should we say, that, that help me get through it is if there's music on, bang the music on. I always keep my eyes shut. As soon as I'm laying on the table, I never open my eyes. And I'm kind of thinking, you're on a beach. You're on a beach. You're not where you are. Don't think where you are. If there's music, that's great. It just takes your mind. The whole idea and the whole trick I think everyone finds is to try and occupy your brain. Mm -hmm. So you don't think, I'm in a narrow tube and I can't move and I can't get out. Oh, my. Before you know, your, your, your head's going. My my pulse, I reckon, must be up around about 180 beats a minute at the start. It's just, I'm thinking, is this normal? Is this safe? Deep breathing, all that kind of stuff. Um, no one else ever seems worried about it, so why should I be? And then for me, what I do, the, the, what's worked for me is I'll, I'll ask them how each how long each scan is, and if I say it's four minutes, I'll say, right, that's six, four, 240 seconds. And I'll count down from 240 to zero yeah, and see how close I can get to zero to see if I can count seconds in real time. <laughs> sense. So there's a little bit of competition, which I like. Yeah. And also, because you're counting down, well, I'm under 200, oh, I'm under 100 now. Oh. And then when you get to zero, you think, you know, hang on, I've, I've miscounted this one, but it's just taking, I find by doing that and keeping my eyes shut, that takes my mind off it and then it yeah. breaks it up into manageable chunks and yeah. then i'll go oh it's 15 seconds too quick which i normally am because i'm just counting too quick so by the time you've done that for the two of them and then they wheel you out put the contrast on and wheel you back in as betty says then you you know you're sort of hey, I'm, I'm, I'm three quarters of the way through it now i've got and the heartbeats come down to something a little bit more respectable <laughs> and that, that for me is how i how i get through it. i don't know if you guys have got any any tips or any any anything that works for you i'm the same definitely music um if you can have the music have the music without a doubt because yeah i always remember back to that first one i had where i had nothing to distract me and it was just all the negative thoughts going on in my brain about what was happening what they were seeing yeah. uh, it was just yeah it was unbearable that and i think be aware I think things that you don't get told really that it is extremely noisy when I first went in it's, it just felt like you're in kind of some sort of washing machine with the noises going on and I remember lying there thinking is this actually supposed to be doing this am I in a faulty machine here and is there something drastic mm. going to go wrong like it's going to explode but no yeah. those noises are normal but it's almost like if you're having your first MRI ever they should actually sort of sit you down and go okay this is what you can expect this right. is what will happen but they don't they just assume that you know yeah. shove you in and then you're lying there thinking, wow. So, yeah, music, definitely. Don't be scared of the noises. They are normal. And, yeah, my my sort of thing is counting the number of songs and working out the timings. Yeah. I and do you take your own music or do you listen to what they give you? No, I took my own music the first time and then they told me it wasn't working. So I've never taken it since. So <laughs> they usually sort of say, are you happy with this station? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. As long as it's music, I don't mind. Mm. So, yeah. And then... I don't know about anyone else, but I always have the real sort of urge to itch my nose when I can't. So oh, I'm, I know, it's horrible. I'm it? lying yeah. there thinking oh, I can't move because if I move, they're going to have to restart it. So I don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah, I think I think half of it, I say I stay so, so still because yeah. so, I can't do this again. This is your one shot. Yeah. You will not yeah. get me back in here again. 
you know, <laughs> this side of Christmas. So yeah, I I sort of, I think I just literally don't move at all. I'm so, you know, yeah. I just, I've got to get through this, and I, I don't think I, I move at all. But I agree everything you said. I absolutely agree with. Yeah. You know? I just wish that somebody was allowed in. I mean, obviously, it's is yeah. it? You know, I don't. I wish somebody was allowed in with you. I remember the, reading about somebody who said she was in such a state that they let her husband hold on to her ankle, you oh, know, well. because it was the only way to get through it. And I thought, I wish yeah. we were allowed that. Just somebody standing there, you know, that would make me feel so much safer. But and I think know. they'd also appreciate what we go through as well, perhaps, because my yeah. wife sort of says goodbye and I'll go off sometimes in a gown, sometimes not, sometimes across the car park. And I'll pitch up again about 40 minutes later and go, oh, thank God for that. And she hasn't got an idea, really, no. of no. what we go through. No. Even if they could have a separate room where they could be, like you said, the consultants are talking to you and they can talk to you. Even if your loved one could be in like in a separate glass room where they could watch you and just talk yeah. to you. Where, so, no, they that would really there. help. Yeah. I'm lucky because my husband's had MRIs and he's had to go in the tubes and he's a very big man. So for him, going in them is extra mm. hard. Um, but the mm. only other thing I was going to say was somebody on the site lately who was diagnosed the same time as me has just been for her MRI at Castle, Castle Mill, Castle Hill Hospital in Hull. And she said they have some machines called T3 machines, which are bigger. And she said that was better. And I believe okay. that in some hospitals, if you let them know how claustrophobic you are, they do have bigger scanners they can put you in. We, ha- we haven't at York because I asked. But um, I, th- I believe they are available in some of the bigger units, bigger hospitals. It's worth asking, isn't it? You never know. Yeah. You never know. That's another thing, you know, I've never sort of felt like I could ask anything like that. I've always felt that you're kind of given an appointment, you go where you're told. But yes. I think yeah. as you have more, you start to realise, actually, I'm entitled to sort of ask if these things yeah. are available. Because I know there are some newer machines. I've yet to see them, but apparently there are some newer machines at the hospital I go to. So oh, right. they're somewhere. So who knows what they're like? Mm. They may be really luxury ones that I'm missing out on. Who knows? Yeah, ask. <laughs> like you said, you it's that feeling, isn't it, that I shouldn't ask because I should just get on with it. But actually, if you are really struggling, ask. I know there are some people that really struggle and they have sedation and stuff to help Ooh. them because they panic so much going in there. And that fight or flight feeling of, I just need to get out and being able to lie still. So having some sort of sedation, even if it's a mild sedation, just to ease that level of anxiety is mm. something that you can ask for. Yeah, just that, that's worth noting for you because I've seen people say, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, you can have, I think it's a technical term. What it, it, people say, yeah, yeah. Valium. Valium, yeah, they can give you beforehand, on. yeah. Yeah. That's what I could I have really done on my first one. <laughs> it's yeah. also understanding that virtually everyone who goes through an MRI is going through the same anxiety levels and the same issues. So if you want to ask for a bigger scanner, one with music, if you want to ask, you know, kind of have something to, to calm my anxieties, that's all on the table, should we say. And it's worth it's worth definitely knowing that. Yes, it is. It is. That's the where the site has told me so much about everything. Yeah. Including, you know, when I just at my last consultation, I was able to sort of talk to him, knowing the facts and saying, yeah, I'm watching people having their operations. I'm watching their recovery. I'm watching them having the radiotherapy. I'm watching their recovery. So I was able to sort of really make informed decisions and talk to him because he actually said to me, which site is this that you're on, you know? And uh, so I told <laughs> him, you know, and I said, you know, I, I said, it's, it's just fantastic. It's such support. But it is. It's, it, if you know the information about the MRIs, then it, it's so much better than going in like we all did sort of, you know, I mean, I had a, obviously I'd had hospital experience, but for me, it was nothing that, you know, being on the inside, having it done to you is nothing like watching somebody else. Mm. And my very first patient I nursed, this was back in the old days when things were not like they are now, but my very first patient was a lady with a brain tumor. And I said, dear God, whatever you give me, never give me that. (laughs) And I've never forgotten that. I've never yeah. that. But treatments are way, way, lot, uh, way, way different now. Yeah. You know, uh, it was a long time ago. But yeah, it was a bit of a sort of, well, thanks. You know, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. one thing I said, you've given me an awful lot in my life. But the one thing I said, please don't give me that. Yeah. You've dumped on me. But there you go. Could be worse. But so. we, just, we cope. We're strong people. And we I think cope. you have to just just a couple of minor ones where people are listening for, for tips is I make sure I drink a lot about an hour before. And I've heard a lot of people say that because that gets yeah. your blood vessels slightly up, yeah. which makes it easy to put the cannula in. Yeah. <laughs> so about an hour before, I'm 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 thinking right, 
how long can I last without the toilet? But yeah, just so drink a lot. <laughs> yeah, balancing it. So yeah. Maybe different for male and female, but yeah, drink a lot, and that really helps. And just the other, uh, the other one for me is that I've heard people doing as well. If they've got anxiety and they want to take their their mind or things actually during the MRI itself, is going through A to Zs of things. Mm. So like an A to Z of dogs, yeah. or an A to Z oh, of style. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's very good. I've done that one and I've got most of it because X wing is quite good. Anyway, so, so, <laughs> and Yoda. So the difficult letters on Star Wars is quite good. So th- that can also, if I'm like, if I miscount or something, I'm like, oh, what can mm. I do? I'll go, right, hang on. A to Z of dogs, you know, Alsatian, Beagle. And then by the time you get to Z, you've probably taken about a minute and your mind's on yeah. something else. So that's also a useful yeah. trick if people want to just take their minds off things and just pick that's a really subject good. that you like and see how yeah. it goes that's a really good tip i'm using that next time that <laughs> that, that's one that will keep my brain occupied definitely what you find there is before you think i'm going to do a to z of star wars and you start going through it in the kitchen but you know don't do that <laughs> <laughs> definitely won't be a, surprise. yeah definitely won't be a to z of star wars for me <laughs> i'd get i don't think i'd get past a <laughs> <laughs> that's very good advice yeah, definitely. My only other thing I would say is that afterwards, make sure you drink plenty of water as well, because mm. I wasn't given any advice after having the contrast ever. But other yeah, people sort of on the site and things said, yeah. drink plenty of water. It just flushes it through your system and yeah. yeah, you just feel a bit better with it. So that's what I would say as well. And I would say perhaps plan something nice to do afterwards so that yes. when you come out, you've got because yeah. you're so stressed out before that you yeah. need that sort of stress reliever afterwards to go in, whether it's just going somewhere to have something nice to eat or yep. planning a nice walk or something, just something where you can let that tension go because you're holding yes. so much tension in your body at that point going through all of that, that you need to have that <sighs> kind of moment, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I forgot yeah, about I, that because I do tend to go for just go for like hot chocolate with my husband because he always takes me. So we always just go to sort of a nearby cafe and go for a drink. So, yeah, that is definitely good. No, we sometimes go for a walk because we're not far away, but to walk down by the sea. Nice. So you 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 can look while you're even in the can even. You can think, right, in a couple of hours, I'll be looking across the sea mm. miles yeah. and miles and miles. And you realise that you're encapsulated only for a short amount of time afterwards you're going to be by the sea fresh air you yeah. can look for miles and that maybe grab an ice cream and that yeah. that helps me i mean it might help other people going for a walk or do something different with that you're right so that really does help because then when you're when you're coming out and they put the cannula and you go or put the contrast on you're going in for the last one as well as knowing you're three quarters of the way there i was thinking oh i'm going to be on the beach soon definitely yeah. this is going to be nice so that that's a big help yeah, I, we, we always go for a drive to our favourite place. We just go for that drive where we drive an awful lot. Um, and we just sort of, you know, we, we just go there. But I've, I find I come out and, of course, after the tension, I'm sort of high as a kite. And sort of, oh, thank God, I did it, I did it, I did it. And then I find this as well with my letters and my results. And I'm absolutely sort of fine, high as a kite, and that's great. And then I get this massive drop by the evening where I'm yeah. foul and angry and I'm horrible. And I don't know what it is. It's not even sort of depression or crying I'm just so angry by the end of the day and it must just be the build-up of all the emotions and how your body handles yeah I think it's just almost the exhaustion because you've just had so much focus on it that it's over and then it's just like yeah and it's mental exhaustion as well isn't it because physically other than your heart going like you don't feel that bad but yeah it's just I'm like I agree with you both completely sort of you come out afterwards you're buzzing I've done it it's yeah. another 12 months fantastic yeah and then yeah in the evening it's like oh yeah. and the yeah. fatigue sets in and it's yeah. again it's worth making what i try and do as well is not plan anything for the day yes. after the mri yeah so it's the day after the mri is literally nothing because yeah. i know mentally i'm going to be drained at the start of the day so just no leave me alone for the day don't nothing just i'll read the papers watch the tv catch up on love island that kind of stuff <laughs> I didn't have you as a Love Island viewer. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, but that that but pre-planning that so that you 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 actually stop organising anything else the day afterwards. Yeah. That also is a big help. I find. Yeah, I think because I. I never stop because I have my elderly mother and, and my husband is disabled. I think because I never stop. I never sort of get that chance to actually. You know, I, I'm on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. It's sort of I've fitted that in in between, you know, but I, that's what mm. I've got to start addressing because I've got to get some time where I can actually start thinking about myself now. So 
that that's really good advice take a day off so if I say you know my scan day I'm going to be hell and the next day I don't want to hear anything that's that's really good advice mm-hmm. and I will, yeah yeah. It's just decompression time, isn't it? It's allowing your yeah. whole body, your emotional well-being to just decompress and let go of that tension. So, you know, yeah. it is a huge amount of tension. You're, you know, you're putting yourself under stress during that period of time that it, like you said, you have the high and there's all, you know, when you have a high, when you come out, there's going to be a drop at some point. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything that you want to add I'd probably say if anyone's listening and they are having an MRI for the first time, try not to worry. We we all go through it and we all survive it and just sort of, yeah, think about the sort of tips that we've talked about and just make it how you want it to be. Don't let, don't sort of be dictated to try and sort of make it how you need it to be to cope really. Yes. And let them know, don't try and sort of be brave. When I go in, I say, you are going to have to get me through this and, that way they you know hopefully take on board that I'm terrified basically but yes I let let them know don't just sit there and try and be really really brave and keep quiet you know just say I'm, I'm freaking about this and you know because there is you know it is their day-to-day job and it's literally what they do all the time so they just got to come in sit down I'm putting this in your arm da, 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 you know but if you actually stop them let them take a minute and just say this I'm really struggling here hopefully if they're good people you know know their job properly they will take the time to to help you and get you through it brilliant advice guys well we're going to wrap up now i'd like to thank sarah and betty particularly for taking the time out and andy as well for being here and yeah thank you both very much for sharing your experiences we hope you enjoyed today's episode Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. If you'd like more information, you can visit our website at thebraintumorcharity.org or email our support team at support at thebraintumorcharity.org. And finally, before you go, if you enjoyed this podcast, please can you leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so we can reach more people and raise more awareness. and I work in the individual giving team at the Brain Tumor Charity. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you or a loved one have been diagnosed with a brain tumor and are worried about your finances, the Brain Tumor Charity's Benefits and Money Advice Clinic, run in partnership with Citizens Advice, is here to help you. Our expert advisors can help you access the financial support you're entitled to, as well as give advice on how to make the most of your money. To make an appointment with our Benefits and Money Advice Clinic, Visit our website at thebraintumorcharity.org slash money or call our support team on 0808 800 0004.